Good morning. All right, all right, all right. My name is Todd, and I sure do look forward to singing that Revelation song. And isn't it a treat, isn't it a joy that we get to praise the Lord right now with one another? Um, go ahead and get ready to look at 1 Peter 3, because that's where we're going to be hanging out this morning. A few years ago when I was preaching through First uh, Peter, I got to the passage that we're going to be looking at today, and I was like, ah, oh, no, I do not feel like teaching about marriage. Uh, and I was tempted to skip it, and that's one of the reasons I knew I couldn't skip it. And that also is one of the beautiful things about reading or studying through an entire book of the Bible is you see all that God deemed worthy of including in his word, not just bits and pieces here and there that you're already comfortable with. So we're going to be in 1 Peter 3, uh, reading verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> On your mark, get set, go. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, or some translations follow the lead. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. Verse 7, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives, or some translations consider the needs. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Uh, please pray with me. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. We believe that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We ask you to open our eyes this morning to see beautiful things here. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, I recently came across a couple of articles. One was titled, Four Ways to Not Be a Coronavirus Divorce Statistic. And yeah, yeah, like, oh, encouraging stuff, right? Uh, another one, as couples self-isolate due to coronavirus, lawyers expect a rise in divorce. In fact, I was talking to a good friend of mine this week, and he said uh, they're expecting their, their third child. And he, he was telling me, he said, I called an attorney friend of mine to tell, them the, tell him the good news. And as soon as he picked up the phone, he said, please tell me you don't want divorce advice. He said, I'm not even a divorce lawyer, but during this coronavirus, everybody is calling me, asking me for divorce advice. And that right there is enough to make this message important today. So we're on number five of an eight-part series through First Peter, which is a New Testament letter about hope and instruction on living for Christ in a hard world. Now, the original readers that saw this, just as the ink was drying, they were living in a time and a place where uh, authority on the government and household levels uh, was being abused. And they were encouraged, they were encouraged as they went through those situations, as they lived through those situations, to be a witness, to let their life, the way they handled that, be a testimony uh, to the greatness of Jesus. 
Now, we may not find ourselves in identical situations today, but we still can say that we live in a hard, hard world, and marriage hasn't gotten any easier. All right, so that brings us to the big idea, which is marriage offers an opportunity to display the generous love of Jesus. Marriage offers an opportunity to display the generous love of Jesus. In other words, you can be a witness, you can be a testimony to the greatness of Jesus within that marriage relationship. A couple of introductory thoughts uh, about this subject. Uh, first off, marriage is not the be-all, end-all. While many will find themselves in a marriage relationship, not everyone will, and that is more than okay. Uh, and this message, while the text is primarily dealing with marriage, this message will be applicable to everyone regardless of your relationship status, and, and that will really become clear when we get to the pineapple later on. Second thing, marriage has its pros and cons. Uh, on the one hand, you get to wear a cool ring, but on the other hand, you don't. That was free. That was free. Everything that I'm bringing to you today, it's free, all of these. There's more where that one came from. All right. Now, as we get into the text, uh, as we get into the text, the first thing we're going to see is that marriage is a dance. Husband and wife work together. Speaking of dance, we're talking about that this with the pastoral team this week and, and said, you know, one of the main points here is marriage is a dance. And, and somebody said, I think we've got a picture from our senior adults. And check out this picture of our very own Doc and Gene Simmons cutting a rug. Yeah, how about it? All right, all right, all right. And I know that they're not the only ones who like to move it, move it, and just can't stop the feeling. Maybe you weren't even alive during the disco days, but whenever you hear the Bee Gees, you can't help but do that. And uh, line dancing, how about some line dancing? Anybody ever done some boot scooting boogie? My favorite is the cha-cha slide because it has very clear instructions about what you're to do next. For instance, I need you to help me with this. All right, get your hands free and ready. Everybody clap your hands. All right, all right. Marriage is a dance. Husband and wife work together. It is also Father's Day, and so I want to give the guys a little extra. So here's some killer marriage tips for you guys. Uh, this is from a couple of dudes, Johnny and Chachi. Number one, when you get the chance, finish your wife's sentences. This says, I know you. I love you. You are so predictable. Number two. It's summertime, so when you go on vacation, have fun, but be sure and remind your wife often just how much this thing's costing. All right, just in case we have some newlyweds here, these are killer marriage tips. They will literally kill your marriage. All right, don't do this. All right, let's get to the text. Uh, look at verse 1, and then we'll take a peek at verse 7. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, and then verse 7, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. In the same way as what? Well, this greater passage, when we look at the context there, this greater passage is talking about submission uh, in, different, uh, in different circumstances, right? Submission on different levels. Submission is voluntarily cooperating with someone out of love and respect for God first and then love and respect for that person. In the New Testament letter of Ephesians, Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and he gives some instruction. He says, 
be filled with the Spirit. It's talking about the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. And, 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 and what, that, what that is meaning there is let the Holy Spirit who is in you control Control your, your, your words, control your character, control your actions, control your decisions, control what, what you do and what you think. Let be filled with the Spirit. And then the Scripture in Ephesians 5 goes on to talk about household situations, much like what we're looking at today in 1 Peter 3. And right at the beginning of that, before it talks about husbands and wives and children and parents, it says in chapter 5, verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to read that again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're talking about mutual submission. This is a good thing. So in the marriage relationship, that looks like a wife recognizing the authority of Jesus over her life and then following the lead of her husband. That looks like a husband recognizing the authority of Jesus over his life and then honoring and caring for his wife. To use the imagery of dance... Marriage is a dance. Husband and wife work together. One person is leading and the other is following. But the lead is not forceful and inconsiderate of their partner. And the person following is not resistant and intentionally stepping on toes. When dance partners are in sync, you can't really tell who's leading and who's following. They're just moving beautifully as one poetry in motion. That's what a dance can be. That's also what a marriage can and should look like. Verse 7b goes on when we, when we look at that. Verse 7b goes on to say, She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So husbands, honor uh, in the same way, honor, respect, care for your, your wives. And then it says, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Husbands and wives have different roles in that marriage relationship, just as dance partners do. But they have equal value and are equal partners as children of God. In the church, we have different roles, but everyone is valuable and, and, and necessary for the church to be healthy and glorifying to God on a team. There are different roles, but everyone has value for the team to work as one. Husbands and wives have different roles, but are equal partners, have equal value as children of God. Marriage is cha-cha-cha, a dance. Mar or, uh, marriage is a dance. Marriage is also a chance to display the power of God. Marriage is a chance to display the power of God. Before we get really into this and chew on it a little bit, again, it's Father's Day, so uh, guys, here's a couple more killer marriage tips. Number three, when having a discussion, eh, some might call it an argument, when having a discussion, gather your thoughts when she's talking. This goes, you speak, while she's talking, you think about what you're going to say next, then you speak again. Number four, uh, surprise your wife with a weekend getaway for you and your buddies. Again, killer marriage tips. Don't try these at home because these will literally kill your marriage. All right, back to verse one, verses one and two. Talking to the wives about their husbands, it says, even if some refuse to obey the good news. Even if some wives, even if some of your husbands refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. So, uh, my wife and I, uh, Debbie, my wife, uh, she and I, we have uh, four kids. A couple of things about them to kind of set up this story. Uh, 
One, uh, they were not all born in the same country. Uh, two, they do not all have the same skin color. Uh, recently, we were, uh, one evening we were reading together as a family. It's pretty normal, and it's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that we, re- that we read. It's across the board. And so we were reading, and then we'll you know, read a chapter or so and then talk about it, discuss it. So we were reading this one particular book and this one particular chapter, and it brought up this scenario. Uh, it brought up this scenario of whether or not people of uh, different skin color could be in a romantic relationship together. And so when we finished reading that, we discussed it as a family, and we addressed each one by name and spoke to them and said, okay, now don't get in a hurry with this, but in a few years, you can date and you can marry someone, regardless of race, regardless of cultural background, uh, regardless of, 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 of personality, as long as they are passionate follower of Jesus Christ, right? That's the, the, the number one criteria there, someone who is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And so I would say husbands and wives who are looking uh, for, for, for a potential partner, someone to date, someone to potentially uh, be married to, if you are a Christian, look for someone who is following hard after Jesus. All the other differences, personality, culture, background, all that, you can work through that. But if someone is a follower of Jesus or not, that, that, that controls uh, every decision that you make, the core values that you hold dear, everything about your life. And so look for someone who is following hard after Jesus. Now, someone might become a follower of Jesus Christ and then find themselves married to someone who is not. And that is the situation that Peter is addressing here. He's saying, look, okay, wives, even if some of your husbands are not following Jesus... What do you do then? 1 Corinthians 7 is another New Testament passage that touches on this and gives us some instruction. But what should you do if your partner is not following after Jesus? Maybe they discourage your faith. Uh, Maybe they ridicule you or laugh at you uh, when you pray or when you uh, are involved in a church community. What do you do? Do you just say, hey, I'm out of here. I'm freed from this. You know, I, I don't need this anymore. It's not what Scripture instructs us to do. Scripture instructs us, specifically wives here, be an exemplary wife and let your inner beauty shine so that your husband might see your life and might come to faith in Christ too. Marriage is a chance to show the power of God. You say, that sounds good, but that's just not realistic. Well, think about this. The Holy Spirit included this in the Word of God, you know, obviously laying out that there is a potential for this sort of relationship and there is the potential for a husband to be one to Christ by their wife, by their wife's life. And so if God thought that this was possible, I think we should consider this possible as well. Some of us may know of relationships where this very thing has happened, where someone was married to an unbeliever and that unbeliever came to faith in Christ later on. Lee Strobel is a prominent Christian teacher, and author. He's written books such as The Case for Christ, but he, he wasn't always a follower of Jesus. In fact, as a young married couple, he and his wife Leslie were living in the Chicago area, and Lee would describe himself as an atheist. Through some different events, Leslie, his wife, became a follower of Jesus. She trusted in Jesus and, and started gathering with a church community, uh, started growing in her Christian faith. 
First off, Lee uh, was a little taken back by this, and he thought, oh, I did not sign up for this. You know, they pulled this little switcheroo on me. But over a period of months, he saw his wife's life transformed. He saw her character. He saw her integrity. He saw her confidence. And that started him on an investigative journey that would, that would end with him at the foot of the cross, surrendering his life to Jesus. So, yes, marriage is a chance to show the power of God. Marriage is a dance. Marriage is a chance. Ultimately, remember the big idea here. Ultimately, though, marriage offers an opportunity to display the generous love of Jesus. And what more obvious way to display the generous love of, of Jesus in a marriage relationship than through the fruit of the Spirit? And that brings us around to the pineapple. All right. When a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ and starts that journey of following Jesus, they receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God uh, comes and lives inside of them. And, and this part of salvation is called sanctification because we're not yet in heaven singing that revelation song. We're still struggling with sin. We're still works in progress. But God is working in us by His Spirit, and this is sanctification. We think of, of words that we might use around here like discipleship, spiritual growth, someone growing towards spiritual maturity. Okay, that's what's going on. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul, writing to churches, just like we're a church here, Paul, writing to churches, talks to them about what the Spirit of God working in a person actually looks like and how, how it changes, how he changes their life. And we get to verse 22 and 23, and, and we uh, label this, this passage the, the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what it actually looks like, the Spirit of God working in a person. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to read those again. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you plant an apple tree, you're going to get apples. If you plant strawberries, you're going to get strawberries. And if the Holy Spirit is planted in a person, this is the fruit that you get. This is what you see in that person's life. Love, joy, peace, and on and on the list goes. This is going to be applicable to everyone regardless of relationship status, uh, regardless of whether or not we're, we're married or single or divorced or widowed, regardless of whether or not we're young or old, a student or a senior adult. doesn't matter. Uh, this is the Holy Spirit working in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, and on will, will be seen in our lives. And this is going to be applicable to every relationship, to every interaction that we have, whether it be with the family or whether it be with friends or whether it be in the workplace or the neighborhood. But let's think about a few specific ways that this fruit or this inner beauty might shine through in a marriage relationship. Uh, joy. What, what could joy look like or the lack of uh, 
few years ago, I was convicted uh, and challenged very strongly on this one right here. Uh, a neighbor uh, was talking to my wife, and she said, boy, Todd is always so serious. And Debbie told me about that later on, and I was like, what, Mr. Laffy Taffy, fun and games, full of jokes, right? Uh, always serious. But my neighbor, who was seeing me interact with my family, with my wife and my kids, you know, I, I, I could blame it on having a bunch of little rascals running around. I could blame it on, on all the work stuff that was running through my mind. But I wasn't saving any smiles and any laughter for the home. And I said, well, that is no good. That's unacceptable. And so what could joy look like? Save some of that smile. Save, save some of that lightheartedness. Save some of that laughter for home. What about kindness? What about kindness? Uh, think about speaking your spouse's love language a way that they might receive and really feel loved. Uh, maybe your spouse is out doing some yard work, and that's really not your thing but you want to show kindness, and so you take a glass of ice water. Maybe while you're out there, you pull a few weeds. I mean, you're already out there anyways. What's it going to hurt? Pull a few way, weeds on your way back into the house. Uh, maybe you're a person of few words, uh, and you don't really show your emotions, uh, but your spouse's love language and how they really, uh, really, really feel love and kindness is through, through words of affirmation. So even if you're a, a person of few words, you could speak words of affection to them, write a note, Send a text, uh, kindness in a marriage. What about self-control? What about self-control? What about self-control? This one's tough. This one's tough, especially when we're around those who know us and love us uh, because we can, just, we can just let it all out. We're not feeling like we have to put on a show anymore. So what about self-control? Maybe your spouse says something to you and your instinct is to get defensive, to raise your voice, for your face to turn red and to turn it into an argument. But maybe you could practice what we teach our kids. Step back, take a deep breath, gather yourself, and respond calmly. And so instead of letting that escalate into an argument or a fight, demonstrate some self-control and have a conversation. So, fruit of the Spirit, or inner beauty being a way to display the generous love of Jesus in a marriage relationship. Here's the challenge for all of us uh, today, this week, all right? The challenge is to have a conversation with your spouse about the fruit of the Spirit and how it's being lived out in your marriage, what's going well, and what could use some attention. Now, this isn't a one-way conversation, all right? Both parties need to participate in this, but, but how am I showing love and, and kindness in, in our relationship? What am I struggling with? Am I, am, I, am I impatient all the time? Is there no peace uh, here? And is it affecting our relationship? So have a conversation today or this week with your spouse. If you're not married, have the same conversation with someone uh, that you're close to, a close friend or a close family member that knows you well. What of this fruit are you seeing in my life? And what are you not? What do I need to give some attention to? Now, what I'm about to do is very serious uh, because I am going to uh, take this challenge up a notch and it's going to become legit. This challenge, I triple dog dare you to do that today or this week. All right, now some of you, as we think about marriage, right, some of you would say it would take a miracle to save my marriage right now. All this sounds good, dancing and having chances, all that sounds good, but it would take a literal miracle to save my marriage today. Well, that's interesting, and I want you to think about this. 
Number one, careful examination can attest that the Bible is reliable. Careful examination can attest that the Bible is true and reliable. Secondly, the Bible clearly states many miracles. It would take a miracle to save my marriage. The Bible clearly states many miracles that Jesus performed displaying his power over physical health, over spiritual forces, and over nature. In fact, Peter, who wrote this letter that that we're reading today, Peter, who wrote this letter in the book of Acts, is speaking or preaching to a large group of people who are not followers of Jesus. And this is what he says to him. He says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Jesus performed miracles. Third thing, if Jesus has power over health, over spiritual forces, and over nature, then I think he can handle changing a life saving a marriage, many of you could raise your hand this morning and say, I'm evidence of, 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 of Jesus changing a life. Our marriage is evidence that he can save a marriage. So maybe you're needing a miracle. Where God, well, God is in the business of working miracles. And so with all of that, as we think about this, this scripture, as we think about this text this morning, I would encourage you to, to surrender to the authority of Jesus over your life so that your life might be a witness, might be a testimony in whatever situation you're in. And if you are a husband or wife, then, then, then commit with some increased intensity. Commit to display the generous love of Jesus within that marriage. Let's pray to God about that right now. Almighty God, we believe in you. We thank you for the example and the sacrifice of your son. We thank you for the working of your spirit in us. And I pray for those who may be feeling challenged or drawn to step closer to you, to walk closer with you. God, please bring them to full surrender. God, I pray for the husbands and wives and would their relationship be a beautiful demonstration of your generous love, of your kindness, of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your gentleness, and would you receive glory. Pray this in the powerful name of your Son and our Savior. Amen.